and welcome to Vet Voice the Pet Pod. This is the podcast that's all about pets. I'm Zara Boland. I'm a veterinarian, a consultant, and all-around animal lover. And each episode of the Pet Pod, I'll be joined by some of my veterinary friends and colleagues from across the pet healthcare industry to offer you handy tips and expert advice to help keep your beloved family pet healthy and above all happy. Today we're doing something a little bit different in that I don't have a guest, but I'm going to be quizzed by my producer and editor, the lovely Julie Banks. So today we're talking about foods that are poisonous to cats and what actually is truly poisonous versus what might be just harmful. So Zara, I was really fascinated when we said we were going to do this, actually, because the first thing I think that came up that surprised me was you said cats can't have milk. (laughs) <laughs> so that was that is going to be a bit of a shocker to a lot of people but <laughs> let's not do the spoiler on that just yet let's save that for a bit later but I'm surprised I mean there was quite a list that, that you know can be really dangerous to cats yeah there is and, and a lot of people aren't aware of it so it's really important that we're having this conversation today and hopefully it'll be helpful but if you break it down there's actually very few foods that are truly poisonous to cats but there are quite a few in the list that that could be harmful to them or or cause irritation or sensitivity uh, okay right well should we start with the really dangerous ones first okay let's get into it <laughs> And these are all things that I guess so people might not think of because they're just things that kind of might be around your house, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one of the most common and, and really quite dangerous ones is onions, onions, garlic and chives. So I mean, who knew? <laughs> yeah. They, so they're all part of um, a plant family called the Allium family and uh, they contain a compound called sulfoxides. And sulfoxides are what give them that uniquely strong um, odor and and flavor that we enjoy as people. And gosh, there's never any cooking in my house done without onions or garlic involved. But the the challenge is that some of while you're preparing food like that, you might actually drop some on the floor while you're you're chopping or cooking. Um, And curious cats, and indeed, this is also poisonous to dogs, um, might come along and take a sniff or a lick or, or worse still, ingest it. And the problem that we have is that once they eat these compounds, what can happen is that when they get absorbed through the wall of the gastrointestinal tract into the bloodstream, they can actually damage the red blood cells. And in worst case scenarios, and this affects cats more than dogs, those red blood cells can actually rupture and release a damaged protein that we call Heinz bodies, which in turn can lead to anemia and even kidney damage in cats. So it's really quite serious. Cats are exceptionally sensitive to onion toxicosis. And the problem is that the initial clinical signs can be really vague and nonspecific. So, you know, a a cat that might have had a lick of some some garlic or ingested some garlic or, or onion and Talking about it, it's not just the the raw plant we're talking about, but also all forms. So powders, cooked onion, raw, or even dehydrated versions, all of them will still contain these sulfoxide compounds. But yeah, initial signs could be just vomiting and a little bit of lethargy, you know, 12 hours after ingesting this. But normally it's a two to five day progression. And so over that time period, you might see your cat becoming a bit more lethargic, a bit more depressed and disinterested in their normal activities. Um, they might have some vomiting or diarrhea and just not want to eat their food. But anytime you see any of those symptoms in your cat, the first thing you should always do is call your vet and have a chat to them because um, it may or may not be linked to this. But if you know that you've dropped some onion or garlic or you've, you've seen your, your cat or your dog um, chewing or eating on it, then uh, you do need to let your vet know. And how much would they have to eat for it to be dangerous to them? I mean, is it literally just a tiny bit when you've chopped off a bit of onion or would they actually need to eat quite a bit? 
so it can be quite a small amount. Even just five grams per kilogram of cat um, can cause clinically significant changes to their red blood cells. And if you think about the average three to four kilo cat, that means about 15 to 20 grams of, of onion. And like you said, I guess because it's in so many foods, isn't it? You just have to be really careful. Exactly. Think about hidden in foods. One teaspoon of onion powder is the equivalent of a small chopped onion. And getting very technical, if you think about the weight of a small onion, and we say it's about 100, 125 grams, then translating that back to your teaspoon of onion powder, that means that only a sixth of a teaspoon of onion powder is enough to cause serious damage to your cat. Exactly. Yeah. And, and cats, cats can be really curious, particularly kittens. So um, they're the ones that you really want to pay attention to. Cats, you know, more often than not, this is actually, we're talking about it, but it is relatively rare because the good thing about cats is they're quite fussy about what they put in their mouths <laughs> because cats don't actually have the taste receptors in their tongue that allow them to taste sweet. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so they have very different taste receptors. They have an awful lot less than us um, and less than dogs, but they also, their taste buds are really, really, really underdeveloped. So they're much more developed when it comes to bitter, sour, salty, and of course, for cats, umami, that, that kind of meaty, savory um, taste is is key for them but it's also not all about taste buds cats again are very much um driven by how it feels in the mouth so the texture the, the mouth feel um the the shape of, of something in their mouth all of that drives them um, in terms of whether to eat something or not so generally speaking they're curious they may have a little bit of a, a sniff and potentially a lick of something but you know nine times out of ten they won't fully eat something that that doesn't taste good or or feel good in their mouths. So again, it's something to to be aware of. It does cause a very significant um, illness in cats, but thankfully it's rare. Just thinking that's uh, sort of unlike dogs who will pretty much eat it first and think about it later. (laughs) Oh, listen, dogs, it's better, always better second time round with dogs, always. (laughs) (laughs) So what's the sort of next thing on the list that you need, need to be mindful about? I think an obvious one, well, a potentially obvious one is is chocolate. We well, we all know it's um, particularly lethal in in dogs, but it can also um, affect cats. So, and this is because of what it contains product called theobromine and that forms part of the methylxanthine family of compounds and in fact caffeine also falls into that compound but we'll come along to that next but chocolate if if your cat actually eats chocolate it can rapidly cause a tummy upset Um, they can get really hyperactive and it can adversely impact their kidneys and their whole central nervous system as well as trigger um, an abnormal heart rhythm and in cats just as in dogs in worst case scenarios it can actually it can be fatal it can kill them Gosh. And is that across kind of all chocolates or some worse than others? No, good question. Um, Dark chocolate, cocoa powder, cocoa butter and cocoa beans are the most dangerous type of chocolate because they can contain the highest levels of theobromine. White chocolate is actually the least toxic, but it still will have some level of theobromine. And I think the challenge with cats is that of the chocolates that they're most likely to go for, it will probably be the darker version rather than the milk or the the white chocolate, because as I said a moment ago, they don't have these taste um, receptors for sweet and so obviously the the more milky and and as you enter white chocolate territory it's much more sugar laden and much more sweet than when you get high levels of cocoa it becomes much more bitter and so again that might appeal more a little bit more to our cats to investigate and explore so be super careful with chocolate when it comes to cats and you mentioned caffeine yes what are you going to tell me they don't like a cup of coffee <laughs> no definitely do not offer your cat a cup of coffee <laughs> 
It's um, it's another member of the methylxanthine family of compounds that you know contains spirobromine, and again, um, similar to chocolate, if ingested by cats, it can be it can be pretty nasty. It affects their bowels, it affects their kidneys, their nervous and their and their cardiovascular system too. So, again, it's something that can be fatal if if it's not treated. And just like just like dark chocolate, it's caffeine is, has that kind of bitter bitter tang to it. So you know we have to be really careful. It's not just coffee. Think about the beans, the grounds, the caffeinated energy drinks that might get spilled on the floor that a cat might even walk across and that's the thing about cats they can walk across some of these spilt um, substances they're not ingesting them directly but when they start to groom themselves and clean themselves that's when it then goes into the mouth and that's when it then can cause problems and it's now a good time or not to talk about milk (laughs) we can talk about milk (laughs) well I'm just thinking you know I suppose I'm just thinking about making a coffee and adding a touch of milk into it and someone might be tempted to make a hot drink and then you think oh I'll just give you know I'll just give next door's cat that's at the back door a little saucer of milk but it's a no-go area, I hear. It's a no-go. Yeah, I mean, it's so sad because it's, you know, it's the quintessential image of the cat lapping at the saucer of milk or cream, isn't it? It's like we were all brought up with those stories yeah. as kids. Um, and, and the irony is cats love it because of the fat content. It's not necessarily the milk, but it's the fat content. It's that, again, that lovely mouth feel that the, that fattiness gives them. Um, but sadly, most cats are actually lactose intolerant. So it's not the milk, it's the lactose that's the issue. And the problem is that they don't have the enzyme called lactase to break down that lactose sugar component in the milk. So they have it as kittens. Um, and so that's how we all do. In fact, people all young have, have that lactase enzyme to allow us to ingest and absorb our mother's milk and all the nutrients that that requires. But it's something that we lose, uh, tend to lose as we get older. So, you know, some cats might be okay drinking milk a little bit. They might be adapted to it. They might not be so sensitive to it. But the problem is it, it, it most of them aren't, and especially if they're not used to it. And it just, it's not lethal. It's one of these harmful compounds that can just be icky <laughs> because it, it causes some diarrhea. And it can be about eight hours after they have it that they'll have a, a tummy upset. And then you'll be, you'll be cleaning the litter tray um, for a little while afterwards. So it's just not pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm saying all this, obviously, I'm not a cat owner. I, um, you know, I had a cat when I was a, a kid, uh, but I've been much more um, a dog person in my older years. Uh, but you can buy cat milk, right? You can. That's the thing. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> and, and what's in that, though? Is that, is that, is that just like a non-lactose type of milk? Because you can buy human lactose-free milk. You can. So, so that they, in theory, could be all right with that. But what's in a cat milk? They're quite different. It's a, it's a great question. Um, so let's start with the human lactose-free milk. And you're right, because it doesn't have lacto- lactose in it, um, it's potentially something you could offer your cat as a treat. But remember, they don't need it. So unless they're particularly, you know, addicted <laughs> to, to milk, um, and some cats can be super fussy if they've had it their whole lives, it might be something that they just absolutely have to have at some level. It's an option to give them lactose-free milk, but it's really not something we recommend. It doesn't have the right nutrients, and it's very high in, in fat. So it should be always reserved as a treat. But when it comes to cat milk, predominantly it's it's mostly kitten milk that we talk about. It's um it's formulated differently. So yes, it doesn't have lactose, which is tick number one. But it's also um, the the nutrients in it are specifically designed for growing kittens. If it's kitten milk, um, and if it's adult milk, it will also have a different um, nutrient profile to cow's milk. But again, cat milk and kitten milk. Well, unless you're you're hand raising orphan little kittens, um, where kitten milk is is essential, then really you'd be still reserving it for treat purposes <laughs> all right well um should we go back to the rest of the list of things that are really quite 
toxic before we come on to the slightly milder stuff. Sure. Um, so no onions, garlic or chives. Mm-hmm. Uh, no chocolate. Yep. And beware the caffeine. Caffeine and energy drinks. Absolutely. That's <laughs> all there, not just for the cats. Beware the caffeine. <laughs> Um, what, what else is on the list, Sarah? Uh, another one that, that is actually surprisingly prevalent across all of our human foods and, and many other products is a compound called xylitol, and it's an artificial sweetener. Have you heard of it before? Yeah, so that often comes in like sort of chewing gums and things That's like right. that, right? Yep. It's contained in chewing gum. It's contained in toothpaste. Um, but it's actually also in an awful lot of sweets, in nut butters and in bakery goods. So it's present in an awful lot of products that you might not necessarily think it's in. Also diabetic foods. Um, and the problem is when xylitol is eaten by cats, it, it causes an abnormal increase in, in insulin in the bloodstream. So it, it triggers the pancreas to release insulin, um, which in then in turn absorbs all the, the sugar in the bloodstream, which leads to a, a decrease in blood sugar levels. So early signs of a, a xylitol problem in your cat will be lethargy, um, vomiting, and really a loss of, of muscle coordination. They'll start to not be able to really um, coordinate themselves. And without fairly rapid treatment, this this progresses quite quickly to cause liver failure and, and indeed seizures. So xylitol is a nasty one. It's a very nasty one that we need to be really careful about. And again, like you say, it's another one that's kind of hidden in so many things that you just wouldn't even think about. So I guess this case to say, have a check through your cupboards and see what you've got that kind of could be dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. Just check the labels. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So what's next on the list? I mean, an obvious one is alcohol. We should never, ever offer it to our pets. They metabolize it very similarly to us, but because it's dose dependent um, on the size of the animal, it can be it can be really rapidly fatal for cats. It can kill them. Um, and it you know it, it starts off causing this vomiting and diarrhea. It'll decrease their coordination like it does in, in us. It depresses their central nervous system. The problem is when it's when it, it progresses and it's not treated, it leads to them having trouble breathing. They'll get tremors. It actually changes the pH of their blood, and it can induce um, it can induce coma seizures and and ultimately kill them. So it's really an important one to be super aware of. And again, like the other ones we just talked about, it can be hidden in the kitchen. Think about um, think about yeast, raw yeast for baking bread and rotting fermenting fruit they contain alcohol so be super super careful and also obviously with um you know we're still in the grip of covid something to be particularly aware of now is we all have a huge increase in in the amount of hand gels alcoholic hand gels and wipes around the house so again a curious kitten or a curious cat might might want to explore and investigate that so keep them out of reach and do we need to be careful therefore when we've had them on our hands though if we're letting it letting cats i mean i don't know do cats lick hands like dogs they do they can they can So do we, we need to be a bit careful about that as well yeah. then, if we've been using yep. the gels and then suddenly the cat's licking our hands? We do need to be careful, yeah. I mean, most of the time the gel is absorbed pretty rapidly into our hands and so there shouldn't be that much um, that much trace left behind, but it, it's something to be very aware of, absolutely. 
And as I know we said before on previous episode, obviously just washing your hands with soap and water, that's the key thing, you know, rather than the hand gels. Even if you've been using that when you get in, probably still a good idea to wash your hands with soap and water before you're touching your pets. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's alcohol. And I guess a nice link from the alcohol is grapes. You know, that's obviously what a lot of certainly wine is made from. Um, And I know they're really dangerous for dogs. So is that the same with cats? Absolutely. Yeah. Grapes, raisins and currants, similar to the allium plant family we talked about earlier, they contain a compound which we actually haven't yet identified. But it's a compound that we know affects the kidneys and can lead to sudden renal failure in dogs and in cats, so so kidney failure. Um, Unfortunately, one of the signs that you'll see is repeated vomiting. and they can get very active, overactive, and that can be an early sign of, of poisoning where, you know, an emergency trip to the vet is absolutely essential. In fact, I remember treating a, a dog when I was working in Australia, and I was I was still a new grad, and um, a dog was rushed into the clinic vomiting crazily. It wasn't able to keep anything down. It was really ill, and I remember putting it straight onto a drip, giving it some supportive care, and trying to work out what on earth was going on, and, you know, we took bloods, we took urine, and we realized that the, the kidneys were going into, into failure. And so we, we were treating supportively, trying to just get the kidneys to reverse, reverse. And I was trying to get a history from the owners. And I was asking all these questions. Is there anything he could have eaten? Is it, you know, any anything that you've fed specifically? Is there, you know, and I, I was in Australia. I'm thinking, like, is it a snake bite? You know, I'm asking all these questions, trying to get a history. And as it turns out, you know, a couple of hours um, into it, they mentioned something about a vineyard. And I said, hang on a second, say that again. And they said, oh, we live on a vineyard. And I said, ah. Oh, does the dog like grapes? And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was out eating grapes this morning. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's it. You know, so, um, so yeah, thankfully, um, the dog survived and, and we recovered him and, and got him back home. But very, very serious, very serious and very sudden. So any sign of ingestion of grapes, raisins or currants, you have to get straight to your vet, ring them straight away. And, and, and it's an emergency trip. And remember, again, like the other compounds we were talking about, they can be present in things like raisin bread and trail mix and they can be hidden in, in substances. So be careful. So I'm just thinking if you know your cat has eaten something that's on this very toxic list, then you can obviously automatically phone the vet. If you're not sure what they've eaten, you know, uh, but your cat starts throwing up, at what point do you think, okay, this is this requires a call to the vet? So if you actually notice your cat vomiting, it is a sign that you should call the vet. The odd hairball is normal. We wouldn't get overly concerned about that. But I think vomiting in general in the cat, would I would call the vet. And remember as well that cats can't go without food for a particularly long time because that can affect their livers. And again, there's a difference between regurgitation and vomiting. I'll reference my own cat who um, I grew some cat grass for him recently. And as soon as it grows, honestly, I should upload a video of it. He face plants into it and he doesn't lift his head until he's had his fill and um and yeah unfortunately what can happen is that he can eat too much he gets too excited he eats too much and he can bring that up as a as a regurgitation so the, the grass comes up again that's not a vomit that's just what went down was too much he was just far too excited and happy and eager to to scoff it and and his stomach rejected it so that i'm not worried about but vomiting is where the whole body is involved there's a whole effort of the body to get something out and if your cat's vomiting there's something not right so you should always ring the vet I didn't know cats ate grass uh, ever, actually, because that's a real dog thing to do. Do dogs often eat grass if they do feel a bit funny in their tummy? They don't think because they eat the grass so that they can, I don't know, bring it all back up again with some other stuff. 
Yeah, that's but, the theory. It's it's controversial. We still don't really know why they do it. Um, there's an awful lot of theories out there. But yeah, dogs are much more known to eat grass and, and bring it back up again. And and but cats, you'd be surprised. Cats love love cat grass. It's a specific type of grass for cats. It's called cat grass. Catnip is another version. But there's a lot of cat grasses out there specifically that cats are attracted to and drawn to. And again, we're still not entirely sure why. It could be something to do with the fiber component. Um, or it could just be the, the sensation of, of chewing on it and, and eating it. But um, but certainly my cat loves it. <laughs> wow. Where do you find cat grass? You grow it. You can buy it. Um, you can buy it in a garden store as seeds or you can buy it in, already grown in a pot. Cat grass is great for indoor cats because it's bringing the outdoors in. So cats that love to be outside that are maybe being brought indoors for whatever purpose or indeed cats that have never been outside and are purely indoor cats. Uh, it's a great addition to any indoor cat lifestyle is to, is to grow grass and create a kind of an indoor gymnasium for them because they, they love to they love to eat it, to chew it, to sniff it, to walk around. My cat just loves sitting beside it. I swear he's, he's guarding it. When he's at his feel, he'll lie down beside it. <laughs> Learn something new every day. So that's pretty much all the really dangerous kind of householdy foodie stuff, yeah. Um, and so I know there's there's um, aside from all that, there's still quite a list of things that are, uh, if not kind of deadly, certainly not great for your, your cats eating that around the house. And a lot of those, I'm thinking, there's a bit of a misconception. People probably think that oh, it won't matter if I give my little cat a bit of this or a bit of that, but actually, stop and think. <laughs> yes, stop and think. Absolutely. And I think you know. Some of them are, are are great in small amounts, but as treats. So a good example of that is liver. Cats love liver. It's highly nutritious, so it's full of, packed full of, of really good nutrients, but small amounts are, are enough. It's full of vitamin A. Vitamin A is great. And in fact, it's actually one of the few nutrients that are absolutely essential for cats that they must acquire through their food. They're not able to, to make it in their own bodies. So preformed vitamin A is essential to have in, in a cat diet, but it's also a fat soluble vitamin. So when you have your, your system, your body has enough, us as well as cats, then you store any excess vitamin A in your fat, in your adipose tissue. Um, and what can happen with, with cats who love liver and get a lot of it is that this gets stored and, and can actually lead to a serious toxicity called vitamin A toxicosis, hypervitaminosis A. And that can lead to bone deformities and even confuse some parts of the spine together. It can be really serious in cats. So again, it's something that that's very healthy, that's full of nutrients, but we don't overdo it. It's only ever given as a small treat. Like tuna. Tuna is another good example. Cats love tuna. And, you know, as a short, small treat, no problem. Packed in water, not oil. Um, but, you know, as a long-term food, it can cause malnutrition. It doesn't have the nutrients that they, that they need. And it can also lead to mercury poisoning. Obviously, we're talking about tuna and other large, long-living fish like swordfish. Um, so we just with care. So tuna and liver, small amounts as treats with care, but be super careful, not long-term. Um, so a little bit of tuna and that's, that's fine. What else? This is a bit of a controversial one. Raw meat, raw fish and eggs. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of people who feed and are very strong advocates of feeding raw food to their pets. 
But like I say, it's a hugely controversial area and I don't recommend feeding raw meat diets. We know that raw meat contains um, bacteria called salmonella, um, which can cause problems for us. It can also cause problems in our cats. So just because they've adapted in the wild to eat and catch prey um, doesn't mean that their systems are adapted to it today because they're not used to it anymore. Some cats still will go out and hunt and will have no problem eating raw, raw meat. But I'm talking more about indoor cats and those that, that don't go hunting. The other thing to be aware of with raw fish is it contains an enzyme that can destroy um, the B vitamin thiamine. And so thiamine is really important for cats and deficiency of it can result in serious neurological disorders. Um, unfortunately, ultimately, it can also lead to convulsions and coma. So raw fish is, is something not to give cats. Always cook it. Raw eggs, another thing. Raw eggs contain an enzyme um, called avidin that reduces the absorption of another B vitamin called biotin. Um, and in the long term, because of this B vitamin deficiency, if you're feeding raw eggs to your cat, that can lead to skin and coat problems. So cooked eggs, cooked fish, and, and cooked meat. But I think we need to be very careful when we're um, when we're feeding our domestic cats not to give cooked bones or even small raw bones because they can splinter really, really easily, particularly the cooked ones. And so what that can lead to is tear of the digestive tract um, or it can cause a blockage or actually some choking. So always avoid bones, raw or cooked, not a good idea for cats or dogs. Okay, so Zara, I think we're probably pretty much through the list. Is there a final thought that you'd like to leave people with? I think the main thing is just to be very careful and conscious of, of what's in your larder, in your cupboard that might get spilled on the floor um, or that curious cats might be inclined to investigate. Um, you know, people often ask me as well, what what foods can I give my cat to eat then as in terms of human foods? And I think, again, you know, I'd go back to what I said earlier is that we really shouldn't be giving them human foods because unless they're properly nutritionally balanced, it can lead to malnutrition and in the long term that can lead to, um, can also lead to obesity. So, you know, we can, of course, yeah, I'm, I'm not a complete demon we can and we do give little treats to our to our cats and um you know they love things like you know cooked cooked salmon or you know we talked about liver and tuna a little earlier um and cheese things like cheese actually ironically um even though it's dairy and does contain lactose sometimes because it's um cultured same with some yogurts it can actually some of that the microorganisms from the culture can um break down some of that lactose already in present in the product so it might be a little easier to digest for your cat um my cat loves a little bit of cheese for example but he doesn't get it often and that's the key any form of treat that we give to our cats it shouldn't comprise more than five to ten percent of their whole total daily allowance or you will run into problems like obesity which we'll be talking about in an upcoming podcast with alex german <laughs> Oh, one final thought that I did have. Obviously, the weather's been quite hot recently uh, in the UK. Are there any foodstuffs that we could be giving our cats to help keep them cool when it's really hot out? I think the best thing for, for dogs and cats when it comes to hot weather is actually just making sure that their water is fresh. There's plenty of bowls of it around the place. The one thing to say about cats and water, cats are very, again, quite fussy when it comes to water and lots of cats love running water. Um, so it's a really good idea to leave at, at not that this is, this is contributing to water losses in the system, but, but dripping taps, cats will love a dripping tap. You can buy um, cat fountains, drinking water fountains online in stores or 
or in, in pet stores. And that provides a, a constant kind of waterfall effect of the water. So it's constantly moving. Some cats love cat fountains. And the other thing to remember is that cats don't like drinking from small bowls. So most of the bowls that we buy for cats are designed to be dainty like our little cats. The problem is that they don't like their whiskers touching things. Their whiskers are super sensitive and part of their um, ability to navigate their environment. So what we should be doing is feeding our cats from almost trough-like bowls where their whiskers don't touch the sides. So again, my cat loves to drink out of um, my dog Rumba's water bowl because, well, she's a 40-kilo Bernie's Mountain Dog and he's a 5-kilo Pussycat. Um, so basically, the side, with the size of her bowl, his whiskers don't touch the sides. So it's much more comfortable for him to drink from that bowl. And also talking about water, it's always important to fill a bowl right up to the brim so that the meniscus is visible at the top and, and cats will use that to guide them because they can't see directly in front of them. Their eyes aren't positioned to be able to see directly in front. So they look for that that meniscus, that water level to be able to guide them to know where the, the surface of the water is to start lapping. Cats are super specialized. I love them. <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> Well, that's all for this episode of Vet Voice. Don't forget that nobody knows your pet like you do. So if you're in any way worried or concerned about your pet's health, please be sure to contact your own local veterinary practice. And to make sure that you receive the next episode of the Pet Pod, please do like, share and subscribe. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>